Hey, am I the only one that struggles to ask for help when I need it? No, I know I'm not. Come on, we're not going to start off church by lying. I know that everybody struggles with this to one degree or another. So a couple of months ago, Amber and I were moving into a new home, and we were doing the unpacking, and it came time to hang the TV, all right? Used to be you just had a TV console, and you set it on top of that. Actually, it used to be that the TV was the console and just sat right on the carpet. I'm old enough to remember that. Anyway, came time to hang the TV. In our new place, the TV hangs above the fireplace. We are so bougie, you guys. We have a fireplace in our living room, and so I'm going to hang the TV. Now, here's the thing. Because it hangs above the TV, it's a little bit higher than I would typically put the TV in the living room. But you know what? You work with what you got. And so I'm thinking and I'm plotting and I'm planning how I'm going to put this TV up on the wall. And Amber says to me, do you want a hand? And I thought, nah, I'm pretty tall. I think I got this. And she says, are you sure you don't want a hand? And I'm like, girl, don't worry about it. I'm going to plop this thing up on the wall in no time, and then I'll be ready to help you unpack the upstairs. So she heads on up. She starts unpacking, and I start plotting. I'm looking around. I'm prepping everything. And I realize very quickly, I'm not going to be tall enough to actually get the TV up. This is like a seven-foot tall mount, so there's no way I'm going to get it up there. No problem. I'll just grab a stepladder. So I go get the stepladder, and I put it there. Now, you've got to understand, our TV is 65 inches. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you that because I am 66 inches tall. So my plan, my plan as it is, is to take a TV that is as tall as I am, carry it single-handedly up a ladder, and then hook it on a wall sight unseen. Because I can't, I'm going like this. I can't see what's going on. That is my plan. So I hoist the TV up and I take three big steps up the ladder. And I reach out and I'm trying to get it to latch and it's not quite latching. I can't quite get it to fit. My legs are shaking. The ladder is shaking. And I'm thinking to myself, boy, I wish I had asked for help. But I stay at it. I'm trying. I'm lifting. I'm moving. I'm twisting. I just, I know it's so close, but I, I can't quite get it there. And so after a minute or two, it's not just my legs and ladder that's shaking. My arms are shaking. Do you see where this is going? So I'm, I'm, I'm really, I've got it up against the wall and I'm struggling and straining and sweating. I wasn't cursing. Maybe I was cursing. I mean, I was just, and before I even knew what happened, you guys, before I could even process it, Amber came out of nowhere, grabbed the end of the TV and we snapped it into the wall. Did you think I dropped the TV? I'm not stupid. I may be weak, but when help comes along, you accept it. I think a lot of us are like that. We try to do life all alone. We try to follow God without any help whatsoever, and we wonder why, such it's, why it's such a struggle. We wonder why it's so difficult and such a burden. The truth is none of us have to do life alone. In fact, we weren't meant to do it without help. We weren't meant to do it without uh, the resources and the power that we're supposed to have. So what I want you to do this morning is kind of just put a pin in the thought that help is available to you today. Put a pin in that because we're going to come back to it in just a moment. You might not know it, but today is actually a very special today. The day today is called Pentecost. Anybody heard of Pentecost before? 
Know what Pentecost means? Okay, two people know what Pentecost means. It's a very special holiday in the Christian calendar, and it doesn't always get a lot of play, certainly not as much as like Easter or Christmas, but it should. It is very, very important in the life and the history of the church. So the word Pentecost itself means 50th means 50th. And that's a reference to the fact that the events of Pentecost happened 50 days after the original uh, Passion Weekend, after Good Friday and Easter. 50 days later in the book of Acts, we have this day, this event called Pentecost, all right? And so Pentecost is important because it represents the church's birthday. It is the day that the church was born. Now, our church... It got its start on September 11th, 2016. Anybody here for that Sunday? Anybody that was like here? One or two people were around back then, all right? That's our church's birthday. But the church got its start seven Sundays after Easter, way back, right after Jesus died. So Pentecost is huge because it represents the start or the birth of the church. And by the way, I hope you guys know that all churches are on the same team. You know that, right? Every church that's in existence is on the same team. We serve the same master. We have the same mission. So churches are not in competition with one another. September 11th, 2016 was an awesome Sunday, but it ain't nowhere near as good as this Pentecost Sunday when all churches really got their birth, when they began, when they started way back in the first century. You guys know that all churches are working towards the same mission and goal, right? And despite the fact that there's a lot of denominations and divisions and separations, what Jesus said was the thing that should mark his followers was unity, cooperation, love for one another. And so listen, I just believe that churches today should not be separated from one another. We should be cooperating together with every other gospel church in our city so that people can come to know God through Jesus. Yes? That's what should be happening. This is the type of church that Connect wants to be. So actually, I get to make a really cool announcement today. Most of you guys have no idea about this. Starting this next weekend, this next Saturday, we are going to be making our building available to the Calgary campus of Home Church. They're a local congregation, and just a few weeks ago, they found out that they were losing their venue, the place that they were renting in order to worship. That's a scenario that we are well familiar familiar with, aren't we, here at Connect Church? And so they came to us and said, hey, I know you guys have Sunday mornings. We're used to doing Saturday night church. Would you be willing to make that building available to us on Saturday nights? And we said, of course. Why? Because we're serving the same Savior. We are fulfilling the same mission. We are not competing with one another for the people that are in the world. Their win is our win. And our win is their win. So we said, yes, of course, we will, we will make this. We'll rent it out to you guys so that you have a place for church. Can you imagine McDonald's saying to Wendy's, hey, why don't you guys just use our restaurant a couple times a week to make and sell your burgers? Never, right? But the church is built differently. The church is cooperating together to fulfill the mission of God. So listen, I'm just so excited about this opportunity. So if you see stuff going on on Saturdays, it's not that you're missing out on anything that's happening at Connect. This is another church that we are able to bless and make our space available. And don't forget, by the way, it wasn't too long ago that we were the ones who were paying rent to somebody else 
to get access to their space for just a couple hours a week. But now because of God's favor and your generous giving, we are the ones who are able to be the, the, the landlord or the provider to another church. It's like the verse from the Old Testament. God is demonstrating that we are the head and not the tail. We are the lender and not the borrower. Connect Church is blessed in its coming and its going. And we're blessed not so that we can hoard that, those blessings to ourselves. We're blessed so that we can share them with the world around us. Yes, this is what we mean when we talk about life overflowing. That God fills your cup so much that there's more than enough to spread the love and the blessing, the generosity and the goodness around. Man, I am stoked about that. Okay, back to Pentecost. The apostles are, are they're getting ready to establish the first church, right? This, they're getting started. They're gonna launch this thing. And so how do they, how do, they do it, do you think? Do you think that they uh, drew up some bylaws and they, they, they decided who was gonna be the leader and they gave out you know, titles and developed an org chart? They went and hired some marketing strategists and developed a really great brand so that everybody would recognize them. No, what we read in Acts chapter number two is that the first church got its start when there were about 120 people that were huddled together in a home in Jerusalem. They were huddled together because they were scared and they were uncertain about what they were supposed to be doing in the days to come. Their Messiah had been crucified. He had risen from the dead, but they couldn't even make sense out of that. And he had left them. He had ascended into heaven. And they're looking around like, now what? So it was in this moment, when they're all gathered together in the house, the church gets its start, not because of what they did organizationally, but because of what happened spiritually. That the Holy Spirit descends on the house that they were in. And in a miraculous display of powers and, and signs and wonders, the early church, those, originally those original 120 disciples are baptized in the Holy Spirit, they are empowered and anointed to go do what God had told them to do. Now listen, don't miss what I'm about to say here. Prior to Pentecost, prior to this very special holiday, this church had the teachings of the Old Testament. They had witnessed the resurrection of Jesus. They had already received the Great Commission. But it wasn't until the spirit descended on them that they were ready to go and change the world. Until that moment happened, there was still a missing piece. And if they had gone out before the spirit came, the church wouldn't even exist today. They would have failed long before we ever got to hear the message of Jesus. So everything that happens here in Acts chapter number two on this day of Pentecost, it's a fulfillment of a promise that Jesus made to his followers in John chapter number 14. And this is the passage that I wanna read to you this morning. It's so good. John chapter number 14, verses 16 and 17. Jesus is speaking. It's near the end of his life. So this is you know a few months before the actual day of Pentecost. He's speaking to his disciples and he says this. He says, I will ask the father and he will give you another helper. 
I want you to notice that word another, and I want you to notice the word helper. In Greek, the language that they would have spoken back in this day, or at least the language that this was written in, there are two different words that meant another. There was one that meant another of a different kind, and then there was one that meant another of the same kind. Jesus uses the word that means of the same kind. So he says, we're gonna give you, the Father's gonna give you another helper, but it's going to be of the same kind of help that you have seen and received from me. I will ask the Father and he'll give you another helper who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later, this is a prediction, a prophecy about Pentecost, later he will be within you. So I told you to notice that Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the helper, but not just the helper. He calls him the capital H helper. You see that? He is really identifying the Holy Spirit as help. The Holy Spirit has many, many roles in our lives and in the kingdom of God, but we cannot forget that when Jesus introduced him to the disciples, the word he used to describe him was help or helper. Can I be blunt for a moment? Too many Christians are looking for help from places and people that can't really provide it. Too many, too many Christians, we're looking for help, but in all the wrong places. For example, it grieves me, you guys, to see so many Christians try to merge their biblical faith with new age spirituality. It really bothers me, you know? Like if you need direction in your life today, Ask the spirit. Don't go consult your horoscope. Listen, God gave us the stars in the sky to navigate the open ocean. Okay, if you want to sail to some foreign land, then look to the stars. But if you want to navigate your love life, it's not going to help. But there is help available. Go to the spirit. Let the spirit point you towards the right person or say, no, girl, stay away from him. Hey, those crystals are beautiful. They're beautiful, but they're not gonna heal you of anything. God didn't create them for that purpose. If you need healing, if you need help physically in your body, then go to the one who created your body. Get help from the place that you should get help from. Don't go to things that can't hear your prayers. They don't know your intentions and they cannot provide for you. The Holy Spirit is the helper. But it's not just metaphysical stuff, you guys, okay? Like many people are looking for help from social media influencers or government programs or self-improvement blogs, celebrity pastors. We're going for help from people and places that really can't provide it. Oh my goodness, we'll read books about the Bible but not read the Bible itself. Something is wrong here. Why are we ignoring the perfect and infinite help of the Holy Spirit that's offered to us? We're ghosting the Holy Ghost. Now look, I'm not stomping on any toes. I'm trying to get you to see that help is available to you. That you can actually turn to one who can provide you the help that you need. 
That is what Jesus is trying to get us to understand, or to, yeah, to understand. And I don't want you to misconstrue what I'm saying here. I'm not saying that you can't have many helpers in your life. I was so grateful when Amber showed up out of nowhere and helped me to get that TV clicked on there, okay? I could have prayed, Holy Spirit, help me, and maybe he would have, but honestly, I just needed to ask the lady upstairs, okay? Helpers are not a bad thing. But according to Jesus, we should only have one capital H helper, the one that we turn to when there's no one else to help, when there's nothing else that we can go to. Turning to the Holy Spirit should be our first response and not our last resort. So I want you to ask yourself this morning this question, when I need help, where do I turn first? Just ask yourself. You don't have to turn to your neighbor and tell him, okay? But I just want you to ask, just honestly between you and God, when I need help, where do I turn first? When my marriage is struggling, when my faith is waning, when my finances are falling apart, who or what do I turn to first? It might be that you go to Google or to your family or you just knuckle under like I was trying to do with the TV and say, I'm gonna handle this all by myself. But Jesus promises you the greatest help that you can receive is from the Holy Spirit. So make sure that the Spirit is the first place that you turn. Listen, we do Financial Peace University here at, at Connect. I love it. I believe in the program. It's helped me. It's helped so many of you. But if you're trying to get your financial life right and you ask Dave, but you never ask God, something is out of order here. So we go to the Holy Spirit and we seek his guidance and favor and blessing and power before we turn to any other help. I hope that you'll share the confession of the psalmist who said in Psalm 121, my help comes from the Lord. Why? Because he's the one who made heaven and earth. He's got the help to give. In fact, the Holy Spirit's help was so important that when Luke records Jesus' promise about the coming Holy Spirit, when he kind of recounts this conversation Jesus has uh, with his followers, Look at what he says in chapter 24, verse 49. He says this to the disciples, and now I will send you the Holy Spirit. So it's the same promise. He's talking about the same thing. I will send you the Holy Spirit just as I promised, but wait, tarry here, don't go, stay right here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. You know, that must have seemed like a, a bit of surprising instruction to the disciples. Jesus had just given them their mission. Their mission was to go and evangelize the entire world. And so they were probably expecting Jesus to say, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and I am with you forever. Amen. Well, what are you doing standing here? Get going. It's a big job. That's probably what they expected. But instead of saying that, Jesus says, I want you to wait right here. Don't obey me just yet. You're going to wait, and what you're going to wait for is the coming, the empowering, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The disciples knew what they were supposed to do, but they had no idea how they were going to do it, and they didn't learn or understand how they were going to do it until Pentecost, until the day the Holy Spirit descended on them and gave them what they needed. This is why Jesus commanded them to wait until they had the courage to go with the command, until they had the spirit to go along with the scripture. 
There's this amazing story of this. Uh, it's just a, a super cool illustration in Acts chapter number 19. I don't know if you're familiar with this story, but it's one of my favorites from the entire Bible. So a couple years after Pentecost, so we're gonna jump ahead in the timeline just a little bit. Acts 19, the apostle Paul and several of the other disciples are traveling all around the Mediterranean region, okay? They're preaching Jesus. They're doing miracles. They're casting out demons in Christ's name. And we read in Acts 19, verse 13, that a group of Jews were also traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. So there's another group, not the apostles, not Jesus followers, but another group that's kind of doing the same work. And the Bible tells us they tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of a man named Sceva, who was a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, "Mm, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? Oh, it's got to hurt to get burned by a demon. You know what I mean? The testimony of the devil exposes you. Man, that's rough. So then watch how this story ends. Then the man with the evil spirit leapt on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. This humorous story, it really illustrates the difference between the apostles and the sons of Sceva here in this story. They were both doing deliverance ministry, which Jesus commanded. They were doing what Jesus had told them to do, but one of them was operating under the power of the Holy Spirit, and one was doing it without the Holy Spirit altogether. So you see how that worked out for them. Can I tell you that it may be some Christians, some churches are not seeing the miraculous moves of God that we see in the scripture simply because they are missing the power and anointing of God's spirit. They're doing the right things, but they don't have the spirit to enable them to be successful at those things. Can I say that our goal at Connect Church is to be a a church, to be a congregation where the, the preaching of Jesus and the power of the spirit are on full display together. We've got to have both. I can get up and I can give you the best doctrinal teaching ever. But if it's void of the Holy Spirit's power, it's not gonna change anything. And if I get up and I get you all hyped up and the band is dancing and you leave out of here, but I haven't given you sound teaching, if you haven't been encouraged to become more like Christ, then we're also unbalanced. Both of those have to be true. We've gotta have the scripture and we've gotta have the spirit. We've gotta have the command and we've gotta have the courage. We need both the work of Christ, and the work of Jesus in our life. But hear me now, I'm not only talking about signs and wonders. I'm saying you can't even do the most basic stuff when it comes to following Jesus without the Holy Spirit's help. Can you go a day without worrying on your own? <laughs> Doubtful. Can you love your, na- or love your enemies, rather, or even just love your neighbor as yourself? Probably not. It's like the meme says, you don't just need the Holy Spirit to get into heaven. You need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. We got to have the Holy Spirit every single day to do anything that matters, to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. We need the Holy Spirit guiding, directing, anointing, and empowering our lives. If we don't have that, we're going to fail. This is part of the reason that so many people outside of Christianity 
find it dead or dry or dull, not because they don't understand the principles. They can go read the Bible for themselves, but they are missing the spirit which gives life to the words of Jesus, which gives lives, uh, gives life to our dead souls, which enables us to live in God's goodness every single day. In 2 Timothy chapter number two, we're warned about people who have the form of godliness but deny the power thereof. They say and do all the right things, but they're not living under the power and authority of the Spirit. And we are warned not to even have anything to do with those kind of people. If you try to follow Jesus without the Spirit, you're going to end up either a judgmental hypocrite or a spiritual dropout. That's it. Those are the only two endpoints of that path. You're either going to try really hard to keep all the commands of the Bible and you're going to do okay and you're going to feel good about yourself and you're going to hate everybody who doesn't do as well as you. Or you're going to say, who could possibly do this? And the answer is no one apart from God's spirit. So how do we avoid that trap? How do we experience the power that those early Christians did? How do we see at Connect Church lives radically, dramatically, and unquestionably changed? Some of you have seen it and experienced it right here. But we want more of that. I want people to go around all over this city saying, do you know what's happening over at Connect? It's wild. What is going on with them? How did they get such a passion? How did they get such a fire? Charles Wesley is a famous preacher from the 1800s. He said, if you set yourself on fire with love for God, people will come from miles around just to watch you burn. If we were to be baptized in the Spirit's fire, and we're going to talk a little theologically just in a moment about that, but if we were genuinely to see expressions and manifestations of God's Spirit, yes, even in a Baptist church, if we were to see it, I promise you there would be people who were attracted to that. See, people are not going to be attracted to rules. They're not going to be attracted to commandments. They are going to be attracted to the obvious move of God among his people. And so we have this deep need, and frankly, we have a responsibility to the world around us to live and to move, to have our being in God's spirit, rather than simply following the motions, showing up to church two or three times a month because that's what we do. No, I'm going to be at church four times a month, five times a month. I might even come six times a month because I can't get enough. I don't care if I have to give it all away. I'll do it. Why? Because God just keeps blessing me. I'm going to forgive people that may not deserve forgiveness because the Holy Spirit empowers me to do for others what God has done for me. I'm going to love and serve because that's what I'm called to do. This is the type of people, this is the type of church that we have got to be. I think we are there to a certain degree, but boy, I I long to see us take that next step. I long to see us experience what the New Testament church did. We serve the same God. Song says he moved in power then, he'll move in power now, if we let him. So how do we do this? Well, 
In the, in the early church, Jesus commanded them to wait on the Spirit. Remember that? He said, okay, I don't want you to get too busy just yet. I want you to wait right here for the coming of the Spirit. Now, you have to understand, when Jesus gave them that command, they didn't know anything about Pentecost. They didn't know that that Sunday, it actually turns out to be about 10 days in the future. So Jesus was crucified and resurrected. The Bible tells us that he spent 40 days in his resurrected form here on earth. He appeared to about 500 disciples, actually a few more than that, during that time period. And at the end of 40 days, he ascends into heaven with the promise that one day he's coming back. Just before he leaves, he says, I want you guys to wait here until the Spirit baptizes you with power. If you paid attention, Jesus never gave them a time frame. So they didn't know how long they were going to be waiting. They might have been like, do we have time for lunch? Or should we just hear? Or they didn't know. They didn't know when they gathered in the upper room on Sunday that it was going to be the birth of the church. They didn't know that it was actually going to be the most powerful Sunday they ever experienced. They had no expectation of that. Some of you might have walked in today and you thought it was just going to be another Sunday. No, it's not. Not if you will open your heart to the Holy Spirit, what he wants to say and what he wants to do. Ten days later, they're gathered together because Jesus told them to wait until the Holy Spirit came. Now, here's the good news. You and I, we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait because the Holy Spirit has already come. The Spirit has already been given to each one of us. I want you to look at what the Scripture says here. Two verses, Ephesians chapter number 1, verse 13. The Bible says, When you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you have repented of your sin and placed your faith in Jesus as your resurrected Lord and Savior, you have received the Holy Spirit. You've got it. You're not waiting. There's not like, a, all right, you got a down payment today and then God's gonna give you the rest a little bit later. You have the Spirit now. The baptism has come. The Spirit is with you and on you if you have been identified with God through the death, resurrection of Jesus. So we don't have to wait on the Spirit. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter number 5, verse 25, what we should do. Since we live in the Spirit, we have been made alive by God's Spirit, just like Jesus was made alive by God's Spirit. Let us also walk in the Spirit. We don't need to wait on the Spirit. We simply need to walk in the Spirit. Are you with me? Okay, I'm going to pick on some other brothers and sisters of mine. I love them dearly. But there is a stream of theology. There's a stream of churches that say when you get saved, you get a bit of the Spirit. And then maybe at some point in the future, you're going to get more of the Spirit. And once you gain all of the Spirit, then finally, you're going to see these miraculous demonstrations of power. I understand that they take that from Acts chapter number two, but that's not normative for Christians today. Rather, when you are saved, God's Spirit comes to dwell inside of you. And it doesn't matter if you got the teeniest, tiniest little bit of God's spirit. God is infinite. And so even then, God can and would move fully, miraculously, and powerfully. So we had this big conversation in our staff meeting recently where we were talking about the fact that like, hey, listen, there are a lot of Christians and they're sitting around and they're waiting. Where's my second filling? Where's the full blessing? I'm missing something. And that actually is keeping you from becoming the person that God wants you to be here and now. You don't need to wait for the Holy Spirit. You simply need to walk in the Holy Spirit. 
Every day, wake up and talk to the Spirit. Did you know that you can pray to the Holy Spirit? You can because the Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity, the triune Godhead. They are three in one. You talk to one, really, you're talking to them all. And so it's okay to say, Holy Spirit, today, I need your help at work. Because if you don't give it to me, I promise I'm a, all right? There is nothing wrong with talking to the Spirit. And then, listen now, the Bible tells us that God speaks to us by His Spirit. And so we not only talk to the Spirit, but then we listen. This is one of the things that so many Christians get wrong about prayer. We talk, 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 and we're like, amen, and we walk off, and God's like, ah, I wanted to tell you, I wanted to answer, I wanted to, you know? So we, we, we talk to the Spirit, we listen to the Spirit, and then here, here's the most important thing. We actually obey the Spirit. We follow. When the Holy Spirit gives you a prompting, it's going to seem weird. <laughs> You're going to seem, no, that's a bit extreme. That's the way He works. He, he calls us to move in him every single day so that people don't see us, they see God in us. They see the dramatic change that's come about because God has done something. He hasn't made us better than anyone else. We're not better than anybody. We're as bad as everybody. But we have been forgiven. We have been set free and we have been given a brand new mission, a reason for existing here in the world. And so we don't need to wait anymore. You don't need to wait anymore. You need to start moving in the power of the Spirit. You need to start walking, knowing that God's Spirit is with you. If you are a child of God, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit wants to do, Jesus says, even greater things through you than we saw recorded in Scripture. What Jesus said anyway. So we don't need to wait. We need to walk. In the end, Pentecost, this is why I told you guys, it's such an important holiday. And honestly, I felt really convicted as we were leading. So this, uh, this summer, what we're doing at Connect is basically we're not doing series over the summer. Um, we're just gonna do like a random message. You never know what's gonna happen when you show up, okay? So I might be talking about the Holy Spirit. I might be talking about the book of Revelation next week. I'm not, but I might be. Um, you know, we're just gonna jump around a bit because I think there's a lot of interesting stuff and we, it doesn't always have to be on theme. We call it our summer mixtape. So anyway, we're gonna be doing this mixtape series and I had a different message planned for today. And about two weeks ago, I was like, oh crap. That first Sunday that I'm back from vacation is Pentecost. Why would we not be talking about the Holy Spirit on Pentecost? If we need the Holy Spirit, if Pentecost is this incredible demonstration of God's presence and power in our lives, then we need to talk about it and we need to celebrate it. So we're gonna try to make this a, a much more intentional thing in the years to come. The reason that Pentecost should be one of the best holidays of your year, really right up there with Christmas and Easter is because Pentecost is proof that God will never leave us hopeless, helpless, or powerless. You, when you don't think that relationship is gonna survive, you are not hopeless. You are not helpless. And you are not powerless. When the Holy Spirit says, hey, I want you to talk to your family about your faith. You are not hopeless. You are not helpless. And you are not powerless. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the capital H helper that God has given you so that you can live and move in what God has for you. 